Hey everybody, welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast bonus episode number 15. Guys, this is a really special episode. It is. Uh, we have wanted to start interviewing people uh, that have had some association with New World Pictures. And boy, did we get somebody who has an association. We're talking about an actor, a uh, producer, a director, and a musician. We're talking about Courtney Gaines, who played Malachi in Children of the Corn. Also was in Lust in the Dust, and uh, this was this was a huge get for us. Let's not let's be honest. Huge. It was a huge treat. He Amazing. he is such an underrated, incredible actor. Yeah, and he yeah. really. Uh, if you watch him progress throughout the years, and you think like he started, you know, when he was eighteen, and just the journey that he's had and the career that he's had yeah. is incredible. He could have easily been pigeonholed into. Horror, horror genre or you know um only playing kind of very violent characters and he he wasn't no and, and it, when it comes down to like character actors like like courtney there's a lot of like that guy oh hey it's that guy you know and the yeah. main that guy is is usually referred to as uh, dick miller who has a documentary based that's titled that that guy dick miller and this is like a modern day dick miller this guy's yeah. been in a thousand yeah. things done tons of projects uh, and it's just like a very, you know, versatile, uh, constantly working character actor. We had a great chat with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, let's get to it. Let's let's here's our chat with Courtney Gaines. We're going to talk a little bit of Children of the Corn. We're going to talk a little bit of Lust in the Dust. We're going to talk about colors. We're going to talk a little bit about hard bodies. We're going to kind of go yeah. all over the we place. We went there. So <laughs> We went for it. No. Um, so he was so great. Very gracious guy. Uh, great to talk to. So enjoy this interview with Courtney Gaines. Well, first of all, Courtney, we want to thank you so much for joining us. And we want to send a congratulations on an ongoing and yet like a very long career. This is now like 37 years uh, uh, this year. Children of the Corn opened in March, 37 yeah. years ago. Thank you very uh, much. So like, congrats, like an unbelievable like run you're still having, like you have tons of projects uh, like still in the works on yeah. your IMDb is like got 12 stuff. that's like going to come out. It's like, it's unbelievable. So congratulations, like an amazing career. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so when you started uh, in Children of the Corn, how old were you when you, when you got that? Yeah. Movie? So I was 18 looking 15 and that was the thing back in, in the eighties as teen cinema was blowing up. It was all about finding actors who looked who are 18 who looked younger so they could work a full day. And right. uh, I had been studying in a professional workshop for about five years at that point. And several of the actors had bro- broke out, but everybody kept telling me, like, look, as soon as you turn 18, it's going to happen. You know, because everybody could tell I, you know, I was decent at what I was doing. And that's exactly what happened. As soon as I turned 18, I just went on a terror in the, you know, in the 80s. You know, just I worked nonstop yeah. for like six years and got myself established. Yeah, like... When you got that movie, uh, th- this, that was your first, the very first film. Was that like the very first credit even as well that you that you no, there, was two, there was two credits before that. One was a, the first, first thing I ever did was a Safeguard soap commercial that I shot in New York. And what was cool about <laughs> that was I was underage and I got to take my mom with me. And we got, so my mom got to go to New York and we, we saw the third to last showing of Annie on Broadway. So that was pretty awesome. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Nice. And to be able to take my mom to do something like that was really great. So that was the first thing I did. And God, I never, I don't tell this story very often, but, uh, but it kind of just thinks. So I was supposed, I had a movie that was actually written for me that I was supposed to do after that, but what, but they panicked because I was going to, 
I was going to, I was going to have a, I was going to say I was 18, but now that I was all of a sudden in the union at 17, they panicked and I, I didn't get to do that movie. And Eric Stoltz ended up playing the role actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And in this little indie film, but it was, it was, it was a great role. And so I was kind of pissed off about that for a long time, but uh, with Eric <laughs> doing it instead of me. And uh, we got to, we got to clear all that air when we did Memphis Bell together. But then yeah, I was about guy, to say, did you give him shit uh, around I just, Memphis Bell? I, I just got to get it all off my back. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there's sort of a weird story with that too. Of course, you know, I did Back to the Future, which he was originally the lead in and got dropped. Right. And because of that, I got paid. For, I you know, was supposed to work like three days. I got paid for five weeks. So it's still like been a residual blessing because it's one of the biggest grossing trilogies of all time so somehow it all worked out right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um, wow and then this this the first short i did was a, for an american film institute project that i always forget the title of but you can there's there's it, it has this unique cult following because there's been three versions of it made sean penn played the lead character in one of them the one i did crispin glover played the lead um, it's called the Beaver Trilogies. You can find it. It's it's mm. and, and 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 Crispin will still say to this day it's the best thing he's ever done. Now let me give me this is the first thing I've ever done. Right, so I come in, guys like the director's like, okay, you and your buddy are you know smoking in the boys' room, just improv go, and then we're talking, and the door opens in the bathroom stall, and it's Crispin Glover dressed in the black outfit of Olivia Newton John in Greece with the full on wig. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so then you were pretty familiar with Chris McGlover by the time you were making fun of him in Back to the Future. Then, well, yeah, well, that was that was what was great about when I got to, when I got on the project. We'd already, you know, I, yeah, we'd already become because when I saw him in this outfit, I was shocked by the, this, you know, this whole presentation. But I was blown away by the actor, you know, like these, like, right. oh, hey guys. How's it going? I'm just watching all this. <laughs> this guy's amazing. Who's this guy? <laughs> and so we started to become friends. So it was great to be able to come on the set and, and already know him. And yeah, so my interaction with him felt, you know, that much more comfortable because we were familiar. So um do when you do you still run into him today like, the last lately? time I saw him was uh, we did a mini series a few years ago called Texas Rising. And uh that was a pretty cool thing for History Channel. Uh, mm-hmm. about the Mexican war in Texas, yeah. how Texas got its independence yeah. mm-hmm. and all. And that, that was an amazing experience. But yeah, we I was surprised he was on a Western. I thought that was very creative casting because he wouldn't think of <laughs> as a Western character in my mind. But he was great. And it was great to get to spend time with him again. Did you did you give him a whole bunch of shit? I mean, was nah. that, <laughs> is that just like did that just like you know start in, to influence your personal life with him? Basically, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just been such a nice guy. Kev couldn't be mean to him. No, I, well, you know, I don't know. You know, sometimes the, the, the line between real life and art. Yeah, I got a lot of respect. I think Crispin's a great actor, man. I got a lot of no, he is. Absolutely. The first I time was... I met him on it in that moment in Olivia Newton-John outfit, I was like, this guy can act. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to quickly go back to Children of the Corn, like yeah. what's, I know it's been a long time and no, I know no. you get asked about this movie a yeah. ton, but, okay. but, um, but like, what is, what was your memories of that? I got to think like you're, you're just coming in, being in a part of this big movie. And so what is your like resounding memory from, from that? Whole well, experience? I always tell this story first, the story about getting the job because it's, it's kind of out there. So, uh, so I was reading, so when I was, when I, when I just for the job, I was reading with this guy that was the reader. His, his name was Jeff, uh, 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 Goldberg and he's gone on to be a huge casting director. So I had this plastic knife that I didn't, wasn't sure if I was going to use or not, but I decided to do it. And I put it, I pulled it out and put it under his throat. 
he couldn't see it and he you know about what his pants and uh and i could see in the corner of my eye the director and the, and the uh, cast director going or and the producer going like wow this you know not something recommended to ever do that could get you, you know, that could get you blackballed out of a casting room forever you know but but in this case it worked out and uh I was I was young and I was desperate and I wanted a gig, you know, and uh, so so I did, you know. So that's my and he he would he did many many, you know, sessions of telling people stuff and he always would tell that story about what not to do in Hollywood. (laughs) But I thought people would be thinking to themselves, yeah, but he got that job, right? Right, and then he worked consistently for years and years after that. So wait a minute, I don't see a mixed message there. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask if you, um, but, you used the same approach for your audition for Hard Bodies. If you just thought, well, I, it worked once, let's keep it going. No, well, that, that in fact, that job, uh, the guy that I, wrote me the first movie that I didn't get to do, uh, Mark Griffin's his name, when he got that project, he always sort of have a, has a stipulation in the contract to get to do a rewrite. He wrote that role, Rags, with, with me in mind. I had to come down and audition, but it was almost, you know, sort of a foregone conclusion. I would have had to like, just really blow it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so he really wrote that, you know, really gave me that vehicle, you know, and he came up with the whole flipping off of 40 languages thing. And he was like, he gave me notice on that. Right. He's like, so you got this thing and you got to flip everybody off of 40 languages, figure it out. You know, <laughs> I, spent, I spent like a month asking everybody I knew like different, you know, flipping off signs and, I just wrote them all down and then kind of worked out a choreography thing. Like if you did this, just that leads to this, right. Or, you know, kind of worked it out. So who knew that was going to end up being something I'd be asked from people to do for the rest of my life. You know, <laughs> I was, I was flip them off in 40 languages. And I'm like, I forgot, man, I forgot how to do it. Well, we'll, save you, from, we'll save you from trying to do it because this is a podcast and no one will see it. So it won't really work very well. If I flip people off, it won't work. Right. Cause it's a podcast. So okay, sorry. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> That's fine. But uh, but um, back to corn. So you know, the thing for me getting that job was like I said, I'd been studying in a professional workshop for five years. It you know, it was the moment of truth for me, right? It was like I had to prove to myself and I had to prove to Hollywood, as it were, whatever that I belonged. That's what I need. That's what was at stake for me. So I was pretty serious about what I was up to. You know, I was kicking ass and taking names and. Uh, but yeah, there's there's so many great you know memories. The funniest, the best, the best prank I was I've ever been involved in on in a movie was my first scene in the movie, which was also the first thing I shot. Which is after they run over the kid and I come out of the cornfield for the first time, the first reveal. That was the first thing I ever shot. Um, and uh, when she had to get scared, when the dream sequence, when the kid jumps up at her under the cloud, he's supposed to be dead, right? Well, they snuck in the real kid Jonah. They snuck him under there on her, and you know. He really, you know, jumped up at her with the throat slit and everything. She jumped like six feet back, you know. And, oh my gosh, <laughs> I bet. Balls, you know, and it was great. You know, it was great. It was the best, best prank I've ever been involved in a, on a movie set still to this day. So, I, I've got a theory. Is your character in Back to the Future potentially the father of Malachi? I, oh, father of Malachi. I have a theory. Like, yeah, people say, well, if you hadn't kissed her, would you have then dated Lorraine? And would she? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that theory before too i don't know how do you tie that malachi one together i want to hear this <laughs> well i all i'm saying is that the timeline seems to make sense because of the the era that uh the children of the corn takes oh place. You, I know, see, you know right yeah 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 right i get you okay and they it seems to be like you know you're a bit of a bully and then right. malachi is like takes that another step further yes yes okay okay yeah yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess that's possible. <laughs> um, have they ever asked you to be in like a Children of the Corn sequel? Were you ever approached for that? So um, a couple things have happened and neither one worked out. One was when uh, John Franklin did uh, uh, Children of the Corn 666. He actually mm-hmm. wrote that and starred in it. And there was some talk of me doing something in that, but then uh, I think they realized they were going to have to pay me more than they would want to. And so that went away. Um, Cause if I'm going to do Malachi again, you know, I, I best get paid. Right. I mean, that's a, <laughs> right. that's yeah. an iconic character. It's sure. yeah. top, top 50 horror character of all time. Top 10 children, horror character of all time. You know, you know, yeah. that's the payment. Sure. So I'm going to yeah. bring that back. But um, so Don Borchers, the producer of the original one, was the director producer of the sci-fi one remember sci-fi did a version a few years ago mm-hmm. yeah it was yeah. like yeah yeah exactly so there was there there was talking me doing a cameo in a, a dream sequence that the guy has when he's in a cornfield going back to vietnam or something i had agreed to do it and then what happened was i was doing a, a job in the east coast and it was they only had like a one-day window or whatever that i guess they were going to shoot that and i had there was there was major weather problems and I couldn't get my plane. And uh, so mm-hmm. that didn't work out either. And I tell this story just because, you know, I'll tell you if somebody pisses me off, I'll say, this. so after that, that was a sci-fi project, right? After that, I, I was like, I didn't put two and two together. Cause it was a couple years later. Um, I was like blackball from sci-fi. Like I would get cast in a role and then I would get, I would get dropped or my manager would, would uh, like get a bunch of people on auditions. And an hour later they call back and say, but not him. And I was like, I was like, oh. I was like, what, wh- who, who's a, who's an executive producer in this network that doesn't like me? What if I, I don't, you know, I don't burn bridges. And then it took me a while to figure it out. And when I'm like, this is my theory. Anyway, I believe Dom Borchers threw me under the bus to sci-fi when I didn't show up. Mm. Um, and, and, it's funny because we have a history anyway. We got into it on Toronto of the Corn when um, the sequence, we have a flashback uh, when we're playing, I'm playing in the, in the, uh, the uh, pinball thing. He wanted me to cut my, they wanted me to cut my hair shorter and I would have done that. And, but I knew that I had hard bodies right when I, right when I uh, got back. And so I was, right. I, cut it, I cut it a little bit, but you know, he, he had this conversation with me and I was like, look, I got this movie, this, Roger Corman film, you know, come uh, that I'm coming when I come back called Hard Bodies, and I got to keep my hair long. The guy's a beach kid, and he's like Roger Corman, Roger Corman. What's 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 the best thing he's ever done? I said, look, man, oh. <laughs> right? I'm like, you're talking about the king of the B movies. I said, like, yeah, you know, and like don't insult, you know, don't insult me. Like, you want to have a, a you know conversation? Let's have it. And ever from that point on, he like always was like every time I'd see him in Hollywood at some premiere, so he'd always make a comment about my hair. So I was trying to do this favor for him to like squash the beef, right? Yeah. And then he ends up yeah. throwing me under the bus of sci-fi. So you know, no good deed goes unpunished, man. Aww. That's right. Uh, yeah, and to, to throw Roger Corman under the bus too. So. Come on, man. Yeah, this guy <laughs> is the first thing he ever produced, and he's talking trash about Corman. Come on, man. Did you have any interaction with Corman during Hard Bodies? Or? He came by a few times, not a ton though. I've, I've got to, I've got to talk with him more uh, doing conventions than I did probably doing Hard Bodies. Because at that point, he had sold uh, New World Pictures. Yeah, it was Concord. Started- it was Concord that, that yeah that was at the time. But I didn't realize, yeah, New World was in. That's right. We have a whole New World thing we have to talk about, right? So. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> you, the one of the first movies they release is Children of the Corn. And then you immediately go into another New World movie, which is uh, Lust in the Dust. Lust in the Dust. I was just putting it together, as you said, because I was like, what else did I do? That's right. That was also a New World movie. 
that was that was a great experience because i got to work with all these amazing veteran actors you know um i mean caesar romero laney kazan divine tab hunter jeffrey lewis uh henry silva yeah i mean if you go if people i don't know if people know who that is but like he was like in viva zapata he was in tons of cool shit always played bad guys great guy um, uh, if anybody's watched a, a like a canon movie from the 1980s, they they know who Henry Silva is. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. But I mean, you know, by the time I did that, he was already you know 20, you know, probably 20 year vet. You know, at that oh point. yeah. So it was, for me, a guy who was coming up this, to get around all these great veterans was a. I, I you know I had like two weeks work. I stayed another two weeks just because New Mexico was amazing, and, and and I had a chance to hang out and watch all these great actors, and that's what I did, and it was it was a great experience. How did, how did you get that role? Um, did you just audition for it? Yeah, I did have to audition. Uh, was familiar with the casting directors uh, through uh, probably my my uh, my mentor, Virgil Fry, who I studied with. He, they probably came to class before and hung out. Uh, but I remember when I got the role, the funniest thing that they said to me was, so if you have any problems, the first AD is straight. <laughs> like, <laughs> What? Oh. <laughs> what? Well, right. yeah, this is the 80s right and, yeah. And, yeah. And i'm a kid right like yeah. you know, i'm 18 years old and so then i got on the set the first day just when i got there they they, they took me on set to meet everybody the first thing i see is divine on the back of a truck pretending to ride a horse all in drag with a whip going yeah yeah and i thought <laughs> what have i gotten myself into <laughs> but divine was absolutely great absolutely fabulous to work with um and what was it like working with director Paul Bartel? Because he had done Death Race 2000 for New World Pictures back in the day and worked with Corman a whole lot. Eating um, roll, tons of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was uh, great. We ended up doing, what was that movie? Oh, it was a movie called Dilemma, little indie film I did that he actually was in that I got to reunite with him then, which was great and catch up. And shortly thereafter, he passed. So it was nice to get to see him again before that happened. He was great to work for, very enthusiastic. And you could catch him out of the corner of your eye, just, you know, like transfixed, you know, excited. And if you did something great, he was just cheerleading for you every step of the way. And when you have a guy like that, you want to do your best for him, you know? Yeah. So he, he was really a lot of fun to work for. Were you, was he always the director? Now, I know he had kind of come into uh, to this after John Waters, I think, was initially offered it. Where- I've never heard that John Waters was originally offered that. I could see why he would have been. Uh, yeah. Um, so, no, by the time I got there and I auditioned, he was in the room. So, that's funny. As years later, John Franklin and I got to meet uh, Waters at a convention. And, you know, of course, you know, fans and you know, mentioned less than the dust, which he immediately knew, but he never said anything about like, Oh yeah, I was going to direct that. But maybe that's why he knew about it. I don't know, but he couldn't have been kinder. Really nice guy. Cool. Yeah. Um, Did you have any, like at that point in time that you'd done two movies for new world pictures, but were you, were you at all aware of them as a, as a company or were you just going from job to job? (laughs) I was just coming from job to job, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which is all I've been doing for 36 years. You know, (laughs) whenever the question is like, what are you doing next? Usually I don't have an answer. It's just, it's been, you know, cobbled together one job at a time, you know? Sure. Yeah. And this, this might sound like a dumb question, but was that always your, was your dream and your goal to be a professional actor? Was that always the plan? Yeah. Yeah. I got the bug at, at 10 years old. The first play I 
uh, did Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Uh, I played the prince. When I hit the boards, man, it was like home. There was something, something that the phenomenon of saving her and the crowd applauding. I don't know. I was hooked. So I knew right then that's what I was going to be up to or that's what I wanted to do. And I was in LA, which made it a little easier, but then finding a mentor like my acting coach Roger Fry made all the difference in the world. That's That's very cool. Well, how did uh, colors come about? Colors came about, uh, I did three movies in a row with a guy named Gerardo Mejia. Uh, if you remember a song called Rico Suave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask if he was, if he was uh, playing that in between takes. Now that that happened. (laughs) Uh, he was starting, he was starting to do these recording and he's originally from Colombia. That's where he was going there to produce music. And, uh, that, so that happened a little bit later, but, um, so the first movie we did was a movie called Winner Take All. And then we did Can't Buy Me Love. It was for a little production company called Apollo Films. But then obviously Can't Buy Me Love got picked up by Touchdown. So while we were shooting uh, uh, Can't Buy Me Love, he knew that I grew up in the tough neighborhoods of L.A. I knew he had been a pop locker and affiliated with all that stuff as well. He got the script. And he, he goes, you're not going to believe this, dude. There's a white gangbanger in this movie. And I was like, what? Because I knew there were white gangbangers. But like that was not known stuff. So my mentor again, Virgil Fry, who was also my manager at the time. He knew Dennis Hopper pretty well. They helped, he helped him make easy writer. And so they went back pretty far. So he made a call. And when I got back from uh, camp, I mean, I just had to go in there and take a meeting. I dressed up in the, you know, the gang garb and Hopper's like, so you know this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I do. And uh, he's like, okay. So that was that. And wow. then, uh, you know, nobody, no, no director has put me through more hell than Dennis Hopper. So it's very interesting. <laughs> He was, you know, I was like the 87th character on the, the call sheet, right? You know, you, but he put me through, like, he did stuff like he, well, one time I was, we were on set when actually my, 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 my acting mentor and my, and my casting and my agent came on set. It was a scene where we jumped the guy into the gang and, uh, mm-hmm. and afterward, Dennis would shoot very loose. He wouldn't tell you exactly what he wanted, right? Like the, the whole, the whole fight scene was not choreographed. We just like, I was about to ask. Yeah, it's very kind of a wild fight scene yeah. where you guys are just right. kind of, you know, trying to be smart enough not to hit the guy in the face, right? But at the end, like I'm, I'm kind of like hugging the door. He doesn't want that because there's a, the, the brother and him are supposed to have a moment. He's like, so you just yell things like, Whitey, get the hell out of there, you know? Because I would still <laughs> act. A lot of people were scared of him, so they would just like do – they would try to do nothing wrong. Me, I'm like pretty confident at that point. I'm doing my thing. But after, the, after that take, the master, the DP said that I was still – I didn't leave frame and I had, because I was standing behind a, a, a light. There's, if you see the light and you, you see me, the, and Dennis <laughs> Hopper fucking went off on me, like off on me. Right. Embarrassed me in front of the, the, the crew, my, my manager, my agent. I was just like, I'm, I was behind a C stand, man. If you, if you saw me, you saw that they ran the playback. Of course I wasn't in there. He doesn't apologize. Nothing. He just moves on. Right. But, Mm. With that being said, there's nothing that I that, that he knew because my acting coach and him were friends. He was like my he was saying this is my best guy, so he would throw shit at me left and like like on the fly. Like the in that same sequence, there's the where the squid the the, the drive by shooting goes on and, and the whole thing. I'm on PCP, right? He threw that at me one literally one minute before that. They spent all this time setting up the squibs. All of a he goes, Whitey, come here. You're on PCP right here. Go. I'm just like, dude. Oh. so i started asking gangbangers and cops sometimes cops they touch that pcp stuff if they have a cut or whatever they'll they'll get high too so i was hearing it from two different perspectives 
came up with some ideas, you know, did, I just really relaxed into it. I did the, the whole convulsions thing just happened. It was just organic. And then he comes running out with, you know, a cigar, you know, I saw a cigar, you come up there and he's like, great fucking scene, Whitey. And then storms <laughs> back in. Like, that's what it was like to deal with Dennis Hopper. I hope the scene was okay, but that's exactly what he said. But the last example of that I'll give you is, so I'm, you know, I would always have a guitar with me on set. Music's always been a part of my, you know, part of my world too. Help, great way to pass the time when you're waiting around set. He saw me sitting on the stoop of my, tra- you know, the trailer playing guitar. Files out of way. Girl approaches him to play that song. All of a sudden, again, wait, go get your guitar. You're playing this song, you know. And how, well, how cool is that that you had like, you know, gang bangers playing music? People mm-hmm. still on Facebook to this day ask me where to get where to get that song. They, they, I don't even know the name. It was called Love Guaranteed. The girl wrote it. I'm always like, talk to her. I don't I have no idea. But the fact that pe- DJs are still trying to find that song is because Dennis Hopper let that moment happen, right? Wow. You know? wow. I mean, again, the 87th character in the movie, and he's finding away things, you know, and putting them in his movie. You know, very, very creative dude. But yeah, ah, he put me through hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> and after after Colors, you did you do Burbs or was that before? I was uh, uh, pretty sure that was after. Yeah, that was after. Yeah, yeah. So how does that project come about? Because then you're working with Joe Dante, who had worked with New World Pictures for a long time. That's true. This yeah, we have a lot of New World connects. Six degrees of New World here. This is awesome. <laughs> um, so uh, I, w- I was at the point, like I'd been working it up, that I was getting to this point where they call you could take general meetings. So you're not necessarily having to audition to do, especially how are you going to audition for that role, right? Not a lot of dialogue. Right, anyway. right. But um, I just I just took a general meeting with Joe and talked about how I thought I'd play it and and gave me the job. You know that was just it was pretty pretty simple. Wow. And I give Joe all the credit in the world for the character's look and everything else. He he really was like he was like you're gonna go to these guys. They're gonna make some awful teeth for you. And when they're done, bring it back. I want to see it. You know, and then go get, here. There's the kind of haircut I want. I want it to be really awful. You know, and then he, he and then he <laughs> like he found the swaths of the outfit and like. When you get the leader hose and put it on, I want to see him. And, you know, I have to so I keep coming back. And every time he'd laugh, and go, you're never going to work again. You're never going to work again. <laughs> Do, yeah, is that the movie you get um, called out for the most? Like, you know, the people recognize you for the most? No, it'd be, it... it'd be Chone the Corn for sure. The most. Uh, to this day oh yeah oh yeah no particularly because you know i do horror cons and stuff right so of course but 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 burbs is my number two selling picture for sure and what i found out when i started doing cons was that that the burbs has a huge cult following that i did not know existed it's Mm -hmm. there are some diehard burbs fans out there yeah 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 and 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 what was it? You, you've also reteamed with, uh, you have a movie that's like on the way out with uh, Bruce Dern called Hellblazers. Correct, called Hellblazers. Uh, it's the third time I've worked for this director, Justin Lee, and he'd worked with Bruce one other time. He'd been trying to get us together because he wanted to have that Burbs thing happen. Yeah. But for me, it was great because, you know, uh, I, I always tell the story, you know, Bruce, I was already a, you know, really big fan of his, you know, I, I love his work. And, um, he took a real liking to what I was doing and really let me know how much he, how good he thought I was. And I mean, it gave me just really amazing, you know, compliments and also gave me really great advice career wise. In retrospect, I wish I had kept in touch with him and, and, and continued to ask for his mentorship because he's a very bright guy and been in the industry, you know, so much mm-hmm. longer than myself, but I didn't. Um, but so it was great that all these years later, I, the reason I did the job really mainly was so I could just meet him, see him again and thank him for for being so great with me on the birds, you know? 
Did you, were you uh, on either one of those movies? Were you there when he did one of his Dernsey moments? What would you call a Dernsey moment? <laughs> well, it, that Derns, it, that's what he calls it when he does something that is sort of like something he has come up with on his own, right? Yeah, well, you can't not be on a set with him and not having a Dernsey moment. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 no, it's the way he works and people let him work that way. Is He's, first off, his mind, like he's whatever he is now, 70, right? His mind is firing twice as fast as mine still, okay? He's just, his brain is super quick. And then what he does is... Um, and it's not easy to do as an actor. It's like, you know, you can call it free association or our stream of consciousness, whatever he's seeing, he's just articulating it as he, as he's seeing it. And then he'll drop into the dialogue and things like that. But he's, 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 he's just completely reacting and, and letting that be, letting that go. And he just improvs. He was, we had a scene together and he was, you know, sort of this altercation. He was just shredding me. I couldn't keep up with the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just coming up with stuff off the cuff that is just, you can't think fast enough to keep up with the dude. It's just, he's just brilliant. You know, did he, did he also do that on the burbs as well? Yeah. Yeah. Was- I mean the, 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 one of the, you know, the famous lines, Pinocchio, Hey Pinocchio, where are you going? That was just off the cuff. Wow. <laughs> but he does it not just in dialogue, you know, when he's like, you know, and the first time he comes in the house and he's like, he starts peeling the way, you know, wallpaper. I mean, you know, he just did that. Like, no, that wasn't in the script. It's just such a weird and interesting, quirky thing to do, you know? Yeah, totally. But totally. he's very free that way. He's very free, you know, and he just goes with things. And uh, that's part of part of why he's brilliant, man. Um, and, and he sort of took you a little bit under his wing during The Burbs, right? He did. He really did. You know, the first scene where I come out, you know, from the go to the mailbox or whatever, you know, I didn't have a lot of dialogue or anything, but he really, you know, he, the, they were all watching me, but he watched and he really, he came up to me after where he was like, Hey Hans, that was really good work, Hans. And he starts talking to me about the actor's studio and him and Jack Nicholson. And I mean, he, I mean, he probably gave me seriously the greatest compliment anybody's ever given me. He told me, he told me how when they were at actor's studio, they, they both thought they were the bad, the baddest dudes. And then there was this other dude who never broke, but then when he worked, they realized they weren't. And he's like, you remind me of that dude. Wow. Wow. That is an awesome compliment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I didn't know what to say. You know what I mean? And at that point you're like in your, what, in your mid twenties? Yeah. Probably early twenties. Yeah. And I was, and I was playing a character that was really lost. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so, and the, and the animal essence I worked with was like a deer in the headlights. And I think that really comes across, but playing, you know, when you get, sort of dive deep into something, sometimes that starts to sort of bleed over into your life. So I started feeling lost, period. And so I was mm-hmm. to have him, I did, and I'd just been working back to back to back to back to back, right. um, to have someone like him come up to me and say, I see it. I see what you're doing. Just gave, you know, gave me all the confidence that I was on the right track and keep keep going in the direction I was going with that, with that gig. And uh, I needed to hear that at that time. And I wasn't, you know, Joe Dante was great to work for, but I wasn't going to get that from Joe Dante. You know, right, so, right. but to get it from someone I respected like that, uh, it, it meant the world because um, I was starting to derail a little bit. And sometimes I talk about this, you know, and after that, there was also Memphis Bell. But what happened was I'd worked so much in that run that there was a moment. It might have been the burbs that had happened where, you know, I was a method actor. You know, I changed my walk. I changed my talk, all that stuff that I couldn't remember how I walked. I couldn't remember how I walked. Wow. Mm, wow. That scared the shit out of me. You know? Because you don't want to walk 
like Hans for the yeah. rest of your life. <laughs> no, right. right. <laughs> well, it's just, it's not, I mean, that's the joke and I get it, but really it was like, I was losing my identity a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. a scary yeah. feeling. And so I, I started to sort of, I started to articulate that to people in my life and nobody cared. It was like my manager, my agent are all like, Oh, poor Courtney is working too much. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. Right. No one's and, sympathetic, but it's a no, real because issue. It, was, it didn't matter to them, but I, I, I did after Memphis bell, I kind of took a little bit of a break and I kind of took my eye off the ball probably at the wrong time to do it, but I needed it. Like I started a production company. I started a band. I traveled, I traveled for three months afterward in the UK. I went to India and I needed it. I needed to step off. I was just, I was just fried. Yeah. Well, you're also, you're in your twenties. You didn't have that kind of experience. You went like right into making movies right. like right away and working constantly. And, and, and like I said, being a method guy and really getting into stuff yeah. deep and yeah, and yeah it, it was, a, it was a, but yeah, that was a scary moment when I was like, I, I feel like I'm losing, I'm losing my, the, just my identity. You know, I need to you know, get back in touch with who I am. So it was it was a necessary thing, but like I said, no one was no one no one seemed to really <laughs> comprehend what I was going through at that point. Um, you've talked about Memphis Bell. I know that's often uh, a touchstone for you uh, for like one of your favorite projects to 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 look back on. For, what, for, what? for all of us that were involved, that was the case. I mean, it was just the top notch everything. You know, everything was. We had you know four or five Oscar winning people in the crew, you know, mm -hmm. our, you know, like our DP, our editor, our producer, you know, our set designer. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking like the best of the best in the UK and uh, to get it in and, and, you know, some of the best actors and young actors in LA, you know, getting to work with some, some great people. Like, I mean, I was already a big Matthew Modine fan, you know, and mm -hmm. so to get to work with Modine and um, you know, one of the cooler moments with him was, um, uh, he had that big monologue where he talks to the plane. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. he was, I was just <clears throat> came up to him. He was in the field. He was working on it and he was just, he was open. Right. He wasn't like, he started talking to me about like, ah, oh, I'm having trouble with this a little bit. Of that. And so I was like, Oh, let's, you know, let's hear it and stuff. And we, we worked on it together and I gave him some notes and he took those notes and, and, and ran with it. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty big actor right now. He, you know, he could have easily been like, who the hell are you kid? You know, what are you been <laughs> in? I've, I've worked with, you know, some of the biggest, you know, and which he had. And, uh, but I thought it was great that he was open to feedback and I was able to contribute to that, you know, to that scene. And, you know, that's, that's great when you can do that, you know? Yeah. 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 Plus you got to, you got to settle your beef with Eric Stoltz. Correct. I did. <laughs> A whole history. He had no idea was there. <laughs> Plus I was pissed off. He beat me out for mask too, which I thought was just a great. Oh, wow. And I would have loved to have oh had God. that job. So. Yeah, so you know, he was. I had I had a few things going on with that guy. Were you constantly up? So you were constantly up to, against Stoltz for like the the red haired guy role, basically. There was, there in was a lot three, of different there films. Was three, there was three, four, or five of us red headed guys. If it was a red headed gig, we'd all see each other. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, Memphis Bell has two redhead characters in it. Which thank is, God, thank God, they were open to that because I think Stoltz was already cast. So you know, he was a bigger priority for sure. So. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't happen a lot, not even to this day. That's true, but maybe because the director was Scottish, it seemed normal enough to him. Sure, you know, absolutely. You know, nice. In that world, there's definitely more than one redhead walking around. <laughs> um, so a couple of years ago, you you uh, directed a short film called Symptoms, and I was curious, like, is that is directing something you are, you're hoping to do more of uh, going forward? You've done your research, man. You're doing good here. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> so, so symptoms, uh, how that came about was my girlfriend, uh, Karen DeGenero, whose office I am now in, 
um, she wanted to, she wanted to do some projects that she could actually maybe put a few of her clients in. And, and one of her favorite clients, a guy named Tommy Sheeter, who's also I'm the one who brought him to her. He was my the best guy. And I, I was in this uh, acting workshop called the Harvey Lambeck Comedy Workshop. I think he was the best guy in class, and he wasn't working. And I was like, this guy needs to needs needs to get represented. And so the reason I tell this is because he ended up getting after being like doing nothing for like a decade, he ended up getting like five, six jobs. And, and this, this symptoms went on to win like 15 awards and best ensemble is that, uh, mm-hmm. he ended up passing away last, uh, during the beginning of 2020. So, oh, no. uh, so we were, he never had a lead in a movie before, you know, so it, was, oh. it, it, so it just was a great thing for us to have been able to help fulfill his, his, his dream. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but how it came about so she she had this idea and then she wrote about half of it. And I thought this is really good. Finish it. I just made her sit down and finish it. And I was like, well, you probably don't know anybody better to direct it than me. And so I'll just I'll direct it. I'll help you. I'll teach you how to produce. And it ended up being like literally the easiest shoot I've ever been involved in from a production standpoint. And I, I always thought I'm like, you have no idea how well this went. Like this this was like just butter. Like everything just worked out. It came together, including the editor we brought in and. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I felt comfortable shooting, directing a comedy because comedy is not as much about camera work as it is about performances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm open to the idea of doing more directing. There's actually a horror anthology thing that I may be in one and I've been talked to about directing one. I want to see what the one is before I say yes. Um, yeah. I think I'm a little, I'm a little more worried about directing a horror piece in that I know that it's all about creating tension and a big part of that creating tension is the camera work. So knowing who I'm going to have you know, what are my options for director of photography and those things, even though I know it's a low budget movie, they're still going to very much come into a conversation because if I can't do it right. I won't want to do it. So we'll see, but I've, I've produced a, a few projects and uh, I've, I felt like that was more my wheelhouse. And the reason being that I felt like I, I understand what it takes to pull a, a crew together, a good crew. I think that's the difference, right? If you know, you, you're able to pull in a good set designer, you're able to pull in a good DP, you're able to pull in a good editor, all these things that mm-hmm. that are the elements to make a good movie, you know? So I felt like I understood that more than I may understand uh, directing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that the best directors like to come out from behind the camera with a cigar and yell at the actors. That's uh-huh. just something that like... <laughs> Great scene, Whitey! <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can you can take that to the next project. And- <laughs> yeah, I want to I abuse actors. That, that's what that's I want you always you always got to abuse the 87th guy in the call sheet you know that's <laughs> there you go there you go um so your latest project queen bees yeah uh tell us how that came about well we were talking about the harvey lembeck comedy workshop right well his son is michael lembeck who was the director so harvey's you know long gone and uh, so his his daughter helene and and mike uh keep the class going and so when I heard that the project was happening and I heard it was going to be out in Atlanta. And like I said, I was out here in the Southeast part time at that point. I approached him. I just said, you know, you got anything going on? And he said, I got this role that you might, you, you'd be great for. It's not that big. But when he said I could work with Anna Margaret, Loretta Devine, Jane Curtin, Ellen Bernstein, I'm like, let's roll. Let's <laughs> so, and uh, that was a great decision. It was great to get to watch them work and it was great to get to work with them. Uh, yeah. And how are your balls doing? Are they healing up? All they're, right? they're, fine. And- they're, they're fine. Loretta, Loretta, Loretta Devine's a pro. She only managed to get close to them once. <laughs> Real pro. Real pro. That's a, yeah, that's a professional. That's a professional. <laughs> Thank God. 
No. Yeah. And what was it like working with them? Like that's got, had it been just like, well, like I said, I got a chance to watch them too. Like the first half of the scene is my character just watching them looking for an opening to steal a purse. Right. So really the first half of the day, I just got to sit and watch them do a scene. And that was great because, you know, as an actor, you know, I'm, 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 I'm steeped in the methods as it were, all the method actors. I, I can recognize people's techniques and things. And they all were very different. Like, you know, you know, Ellen Bernstein comes from the actor studio and you could see her using her technique, you know, and you could, whereas like say like a Jane Curtin, it's just like, you know, she has the kind of comedic timing you can't teach, you know, right. So you're yeah. watching these actors who all have different techniques, different, uh, winning formulas, if you want to call it that, their strong yeah. suits, how they were all different, yet how they all were able to make that work together. And that was, that was just, for me, that was just great to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Just like learning how they approach, you know, their lines, how they approach. The and scene. why they're, why they're, why they're each one of them, you know, why they're special in their own right. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. why, why each one brings something to the party, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, you also have a new album out because you're a musician as well on top of producing, directing, acting, <laughs> doing everything else. You're also a musician as well, which is Yeah, incredible. I've always had the music thing going on the side, but certainly with COVID, it was sort of like, okay, no excuses. Now you've been talking about putting out this acoustic thing for a long time, shut up and start tracking. So I started doing research. I found out you could put a little home studio together pretty cheap. I was like, okay, great. So I got no excuse there. Get, get, get it going. And then also I have a band and uh, the banks came with new material with a, with a new uh, musician, a guy named Frankie Bagas. Uh, who also is an engineer and a, and a you know producer, and he had a studio. So all of a sudden, I had access to you know someone helping me get everything done that I need to get done. So that just kind of the door just sort of opened. So Acoustic Gains Volume One is what I'm putting out right now. The last single was put out last week called Cherish, and the next single is coming out on Monday the uh, the fifth. I don't know when you guys this is when you guys put this up, but uh, that's coming mm-hmm. out on Monday, and that's called Let It Ride, and that's a blues tune. Um, so, so I'm putting out a bunch of singles, acoustic style stuff. Like I said, with the band, we're also putting out stuff. Again, the band's name is Ripple Street. The last single we put out was just called Would You, and it's completely the opposite spectrum. It's like a, a Black Sabbath type sounding song. And, Very uh, cool. And so we've got two more singles to do. I've just finished doing both my vocal tracks on that. So we just got to finish them off. And uh, once those are out, then that'll, that'll be the, uh, an EP uh that'll be out later this year so um so yeah so the music's the music's always been a creative outlet for me always been a way to express things that were going on in my life that might be you know i have angst about or whatever like the first the first ripple street album put out a few years ago that was just a straight up breakup record you know it's just a lot of Mm -hmm. (laughs) angst and anger about a relationship (laughs) and thank god i had a place to express it because uh, yeah. it, 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 I, I, I believe that's the difference between people going postal or not is they have a place to express their stuff. We all have stuff. We all need a way right. to express it, whatever that is. Some people, it's jogging. You know, Some people, it's going to therapy. Some people, it's acting. Right. Or some people, it's making, making music. But you know, if you got stuff, you need to find a way to get it out other than trolling. well congrats on the record that is terrific and that we will this will be out tomorrow so yeah look for that okay great so you you can find the stuff find stuff you know courtney Gaines on spotify or ripple street on spotify and then of course itunes and deezer and amazon and all that and you can also find some stuff up on youtube so that's there. But I got some more movies to talk about that are coming yes. out too. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, let's talk to us about it. What, what, do, you, what sudden, do you have coming up? 
all of a sudden there's like this is everything that's, you know, stuff's been sitting for like queen bees was like two years old, you know, like stuff's been, I think COVID just kind of like stopped everything from coming out. And now there's just mm-hmm. this backlog. So uh, one is called Await the Dawn, which is a horror film that just got released on Amazon Prime this week. Like, nobody knew it was coming out, even the director. So I don't know how it got there, but it is. So <laughs> that's fun. D. Wallace is in it, Vernon Wells. Uh, wow. you know, fun character yeah. I have in that. Um, nice. uh, a movie called River, an uh, independent film I did, uh, surprisingly got picked up within less than a year for an indie. That's an amazing thing. It's coming out July 13th, so soon. On, on video on demand? Basically. No, it's coming out on theaters and video the theaters? on demand. Oh, terrific. Awesome. Um, and, and the last one is another movie I did over two years ago that was shot in Atlanta called Charming the Hearts of Men. That's a 1950s period piece about this woman who got heavily involved in the civil rights movement. And, and when the uh, things got put into law about equal rights, she got the word woman put in there which wow. is pretty significant yeah, so, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's sort of how that all evolves and uh, uh, it's it's I'm looking forward to seeing that and I just found out that's coming out and the interesting thing is all three of these movies are being put out by Gravitas Ventures and uh, Queen Bees and, mm-hmm. and River and uh, so thank God for them to be acquiring projects and getting them out and they're because they're putting them out they're able to get a theatrical as well as a VOD deal like all, all at once release so Great. Well, that's been great and uh, excited to see all these projects coming out. So it's just like all of a sudden, it's like I have a movie coming out every month for the next three months. Yes. So, wow. That's great. pretty amazing. The summer and, of gains. And a record, yes. yeah. It puts a whole new spin on uh, Get Your Gains this summer. So there you go. I don't know. And then I just did a TV show, but I don't know when it's coming out, uh, a BET show called Tales, and it's a 10, 10 episode anthology. So each one's a different story. And I play a really oh, good cool. corrupt cop in that one. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But I don't know when that. The season comes out this year, but it will be sometime this year. I think it's the third episode of the year. Wow. So you are not want for plenty of things happening all at once for you. This is terrific. Like, it's again, like and, though, you know, it's always yeah. like that. Yeah. Like nothing, yeah. nothing, and then everything, everything, everything. It's very strange that way. I know a lot of these projects you shot a while ago, so I'm sure it yes. seems a little bit like everything's just coming out all at once. But at the yes. same time, just like, you know, a tribute to you, just a, an incredible long and still ongoing career. Like you've just got a lot of stuff going and that's, uh, from, I know from, uh, an actor that's tough. It's tough to kind of keep that stuff going constantly. If you just yeah. pulled it off, you, you, you it's, it's amazing. So congrats on I, everything. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think the, you know, if you know, people ask how, how did that happen? And you know, I think the only thing I can really say is never stop studying. If I wasn't studying, I was teaching. So I was always working out my craft. I think that's important. And then two, I think it's that ability to just like look yourself in the mirror and go, how old am I now? What roles are available for what I look like now? Be realistic, you know, don't be like, yeah. you know, uh, I'm not the, I'm, 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 I'm not the ingenue, you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you're 50, get, get with it, you know? So uh, I think it's, I think that's, you got to stay, stay open to where you are, be a yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think that, exactly. that helps a lot. All right. Well, uh, la- any last questions, guys? Because we're, we're running out of time here. So any last questions from you guys? Yeah. I, I mean, I just wanted to say thank you. It's It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Courtney. Thank you for taking the time to to be with three true fans and, and be mm-hmm. so transparent and open with us. We we have been looking forward to speaking with you, and it's just been an absolute treat. So yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I, it's been nice meeting you guys. I enjoyed it.